GodzillaMedia.com. Alive, surging up from the depths of the sea on a tidal wave of terror to wreak vengeance on mankind. Raging through the streets on a rampage of total destruction. The GameZilla Podcast. Is this the end of our civilization? Prepare for gaming domination. The mightiest monster of them all. Grimlock, the Diamond Nine, GameZilla. Welcome to the GameZilla Podcast, your last line of defense in major gaming news. I'm your host, Grimlock, and with me in the GameZilla Media Studios, producer, the Deadite Knight. Hip hip and cheerio. <laughs> Welcome to episode 252 of the GameZilla Podcast, brought to you by our supporters at patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. It's through the support of our wonderful patrons that we're able to bring you this show for free every single week in great places like Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Spotify, and of course, GameZillaMedia.com with, uh, you know, special privileges starting at just $1 per month. Let me give myself a coin for that. And exclusive content available for you at the $5 level, like the GameZilla pre-show. If uh, you want to hear a little bit extra GameZilla, we record a little pre-show ski before we get into this in uh, this week's topic. We'll talk about it a little later. We'll tease you a little bit later what the pre-show is all about. But head over to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. Start your patronage today and support your favorites and the world's greatest video gaming podcast, GameZilla. All right, we have a lot to get into this week. Game Developer Conference was last weekend, and a lot of things went down. So let's not waste any time and get into the news. Okay. I'm searching the web for the latest gaming news. Searching GameZillaMedia.com. Downloading headlines. What about this monster story of yours? Download Okay, topic number one. It's my new catchphrase, man. I'm just trying it out. I'm trying things. I, I liked it so much I stole it already. Okay. Okay, topic number one is Google. Is it Stadia? Stadia. Woo, wow. So we knew that there were rumors and that Google was potentially going to be bringing their, their breaking news of them getting into the gaming industry at GDC. And uh, they didn't waste any time. They came right out at the beginning of the show and dropped a ton of news about this new platform. And I want to cover some basic overview, and then we just have one, like, topic that we really want to discuss on this main piece of our show. Um, So, basic overview. Google Stadia. There is no box. So so it doesn't... There's there's nothing you buy? There is only the controller. So it doesn't have a console. It's not a stream stick. Nope. Yeah. So it's just a controller with a Wi-Fi connection directly to Google's data centers over via via Wi-Fi connection. Okay. Um, A lot of people obviously have concern with streaming services that we've dealt with. You know, PlayStation Now and uh, and some of your other smaller ones. Internet connection and what you're going to get, right? So 25 megabyte internet connection is going to get you 1080p, 60 frames per second at launch. 30 megabytes, 4K, 60 frames per second at launch. That seems really accessible. I know... I mean, there's places that this are going to be a problem. But, but, I mean, when we think of our situation where we live, 
yeah, this is not bad at all considering I think right now I'm pushing 600 down and, and what, uh, 60 up. So what you're saying is I could VPN into your home, use your internet to stream these games. A hundred percent. Yeah, I guess you could. Nope. You, you could try it. All right, I'm gonna <laughs> just get a good VPN uh, <laughs> service. But no, uh, and then the future is they want to work on getting this down even more, where you will, it would require even less for these, and then eventually offer an 8K 120 frames per second uh, option. So, how do they do this? This is where a little bit of the geek comes in here, but uh, it's all data centers, right? It's all Google has infrastructure around the world and they're using it and they're teaming up with these companies and they're building Stadia instance, right? It's a virtual machine, it's a VM. And each instance is a 2.7 gigahertz, um, 64 bit, 16 gigs of RAM with a custom AMD GPU graphics card pushing 10.7 teraflops. Teraflops. So what does that mean to you? It means it's more powerful than a PS4 Pro and an Xbox One X combined. That's a lot of flops. And it's a virtual machine. It doesn't even technically really exist. It sits on a blade, and you're you're just one of millions of these that are going to be running. So it power-wise, it is very impressive, and that's pushing all of that across an internet connection back to this controller. Uh, games will be streamable across laptops, desktops, TVs, tablets, and phones, and we saw that all happen smooth, flawlessly on stage. Google showing it off. Also, and, a Chromecast. If you have that, a Chromecast, yeah. And so, I mean, the TV. If you don't, if it's not built in, that's the one thing you would need to be able to to put it onto a TV. Yeah. So, um, YouTube integration. Stadia uses uh, can, Stadia users can capture and share straight to YouTube, or even let viewers play alongside creators. A crowd play feature of Stadia is designed to uh, facilitate this this fe- this function, and it includes a lobby system to let you match up with YouTube content creators. This this to me sounds really weird, and I don't know how it actually works because for the small streamers that have like you know five ten people watching them. You're, you're like, yes, people can jump in and play, but it's tough for you because you kind of are trying to build your viewership. So do you really want to lose viewership for and gain people that are just going to game with you? I don't know. Versus these people that have hundreds or thousands and thousands of people watching them. And then they're just getting, getting bombarded with um, having all of these people bother them right and, and part of it is you probably can disable it and stuff but i just don't see how it's really going to be this fun function outside of like your variety streamers that are like okay wednesdays are going to be gaming with with <coughs> with my fans which people already do that and, and they just do it manually where it's like okay add me as a friend and then i'll send you an invite yeah I, the way i i conceive this in my mind is it would be almost like a personal lobby maybe yeah so let's just use a fighting game for example if someone's streaming a fighting game they could say hey i'm opening this up to people that are viewing right now if you want to get in and fight me like it's available and i assume there'd be like a queue from there to play with the yeah. streamer the streamer staying in that's my assumption of how this would work and it would be really cool for that but for other games i just don't know how well that would work yeah and i think like that's a great example that already exists this just streamlines it, yeah. is how I look at it. So, all right, state share is the other function, which lets players easily share moments so you can even share an exact link to that part of the game. 
So the way they explained this was you could be watching a certain level and want to play that exact spot, and they could share that link, and you could click on it and play that level. Now, part of me wonders, like, how does that work if I haven't, if I haven't progressed to that level? Does it let me, like, skip forward and just play that level, or do I have to have beaten that area or at least gotten up to that area before that? Like, does it play off my save file if I'm that person that wants to, mm-hmm. you know, play that shared link? I don't know. Interesting. Need to see more of it. Um, Google is creating their own game studio. Stadia exclusive titles, Stadia games, and entertainment. So they are not only working with the likes of Ubisoft, Epic, uh, EA, and some others right out the gate, but they are going to be developing um, their own stuff. Did you hear the rumors that they're working with Sega on the down low? I did hear that Sega is looking. Yes, I did hear that. Um, it could be exciting. It could not because, like, the Sega that we all grew up with is we haven't seen them in a long time. In the sense of like, we're not we're getting a lot of like um, trash. Yeah, shovelware. You know, we're getting a lot of shovelware from Sega. That you know, I, and I don't want to say it's all because we've seen things like uh, Sonic Mania and things like that that have been cool and and stuff. But I mean, there's a and it is interesting because Sega just put out a weird survey that you can take. So you can go to SegaOfAmerica.com, and there's this, there's like it literally it's like a 30 minute survey. Wow. I took as I took it, and they wanted to know like your knowledge of their IPs, what you want to see more of, what you want to see less of. Like it was very in depth, and so part of me is like, well, why, why this right now? And then that rumor came out, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if they're gearing up for something. I mean, Fantasy Star, a Stadia exclusive. How quick do you buy Stadia? Day day one, <laughs> pre-ordered, pre-ordered. Um, believe me, I left some long uh, paragraphs in every box that I possibly could in that survey about Fantasy Star. <laughs> They're like, well, this guy's a weirdo. Yeah, I probably came off really strange. Okay, um, Google says more than 100 studios are already, already have dev kits for Stadia, and more than 1,000 creatives and engineers are already working on titles that will work on the service. We didn't get an exact release date, but they are saying 2019 window. So those are the bullet points that I put down. There are obviously more stuff going on here. There's a lot of things that, that were interesting about this presentation, but those are some of the big ones for me. Um, we'll know more with E3. We'll know, you know, E3 will be that next big push, I think, for them because that's when they're going to give us probably a real date. Um, and and we'll we'll find out more then. So I don't want to dig too much into the the, the facts. I want to get into our thoughts about this because the reception of this was super positive, and that kind of surprised me in the sense of how much people have hated on streaming services and streaming, you know, just the video games in general of recent years, thinking specifically right now of things like PlayStation Now and how it just hasn't done well. And so I know part of it is if it doesn't work, it's not going to do, do well. And PlayStation Now has had tons of problems. But here we are. And I wanted to think the thoughts on being the next, that this is really the next generation of gaming. We know Xbox is going to be at E3 and they're going to drop xCloud, which is is the same thing that we're seeing here. We know Google's, Google has now you know shown their hand and PlayStation already has something in, in, that, that they're working on improving. Nintendo doesn't necessarily have something like this other than their game library via Nintendo Online in a way, but 
overall, um, this is the way we're moving. And for this to be the next generation of gaming, I have a, I have a statement I want to make. I don't like it. I finally feel old for maybe the first time where I don't want this to happen. And I think I kind of feel like maybe how you, how Deadite felt when uh, the music industry kind of took this direction and you started seeing your CD section, which you love spending so much time in, dwindle and dwindle. And that's what I don't want to see. I still don't have Apple Music. I don't have Spotify Premium. I don't have any of that because I don't like it. Yeah, this bothers me. And like as much positivity has been going on in our Discord, you know, just just talking about our community here, um, you know, I don't I don't want to like crap all over it. That's what I'm not trying to do. But at the same time, for me, the person like if you've ever been to my game room, you know why I don't like this. Like I like buying the physical copy. I like the you know like having the collection and feeling like there's ownership to it. And this takes all of that away and, and basically just creates a communication to a server that I'm going to play games on. And it's easy. I get that part of it. That's why I like some the Switch for certain reasons. I like digital copies. But I'm also that person that if I buy it on digital copy and it does come out physical, I'll probably buy a physical and just put it on my shelf. And so... I don't know. I'm I'm not a huge fan of this. I have a lot of questions coming from the IT field myself. I have a lot of questions as far as just performance, as far as uh, mobile um, handheld tra- transporting, like actually going on going on an, air, uh, an airplane. Like it, uh, unless I tie into the airplane's Wi-Fi, which again, airplane Wi-Fi is not capable of producing anything near the speed. So instantly, I don't have games. Okay. Well, okay. What if what if what happens when I'm on a train or I'm on I'm in a car and I'm just jumping from, you know, cell tower to cell tower on a hotspot? Like, it, our infrastructure doesn't support this. So at my house, sure, but at my house I don't need necessarily this ease of use. You know, there's a reason why the switch works. It's because I get to take it with me, and it's easy for me to just fire up Rocket League, hop in hop in a local party with you. And, and, and game here i don't i don't know i, I just feel like this is it's too much it, it's too much and i don't like how positive the industry the the fan base is taking it already with not knowing anything and that's just me being old i think i'm i'm interested to find out if this is going to be a subscription or if it's going to be there's going to be a store where you buy titles they haven't said that yet have they they, We're assuming it's like a streaming subscription like PlayStation now, but they haven't come out and directly said, have they? Uh, if it's like a $20 a month or if it's you buy titles individually. Oh, no, they have not. They have yeah. not discussed how that structure is going to work. The, the thought process is that there might be both. You know, yeah. there might be a Game Pass style thing pl- or a way to own the game. But then you're not you're just you own a li- you're buying a license, you know, yeah. like you're buying a key to open a door that. When their server goes off, that's it, you know. And I don't, I don't know. It's no different than me owning a copy of Destiny Two right now. If they shut their servers off, my disc doesn't do anything. Yeah. So I mean, at the same time, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of not seeing the full picture when it comes to that. Where a lot of my current gaming discs are just, they are physical keys letting me into a server that runs my game. 
I think some positive thoughts I have about this uh, could potentially be longevity. I know you're like, oh, when they shut down the server, we're all screwed. But this is Google we're talking about. This could be a service they run for 15 or 20 years with, you know, they just continue to upgrade the power of their server. So if you were to purchase a game this year in 2019, odds are if the service, as long as it's successful, you're going to be able to continue to play it. So, so there is, you know, opposed to if you're buying something on PlayStation, you know, the the PlayStation store shuts down and your hardware craps out, you, you're going to lose that. You're going to lose the ability to play that digitally unless the future generations show that backwards compatibility. So I think longevity of your purchase, you might actually get more out of something that is server-based through Google. And also I have the idea where, you know, I got to hang a TV over my fireplace here in, uh, you know, a couple months. I've been waiting a while to do it. I need, need some help to do it. Uh, and I'm going to run like an elaborate set of HDMI cords through my wall to my PlayStation and to my Switch to be able to play games on my TV that's mounted above my fireplace. How much nicer would it really be to just cast 4K games to my big-ass TV and not have to worry about running a bunch of stuff through the wall? Like, to me, like, convenience, and there's situations where I see, like, that would actually be a really nice way to play video games on that TV, convenience. Yeah, I mean it would, but then the second you buy into that, the, then you that's the only way you're playing games. I have other TVs. You have other TVs. I get that. I understand that, but like you're only like if you purchase Jurassic World Evolution and it was a brand new game and it cost full and and it was a service that you mm-hmm. paid for 60 bucks for that game, then that's how you're playing that game. And you're going to play it on your Pixel or you're going to play it on your TV or you're going to cast it to I don't know, your laptop. But but you're, I don't, you're not that person that's going to go out and buy a PlayStation version of that game and an Xbox version of that game and a Switch version of that game. Maybe a Switch version if mm-hmm. your Pixel performance isn't up to par. But I just to me, it's like once you dive into that for the convenience of that one setup, you're in it now on all your setups. And that's what Google wants. Yeah. And to me, that bothers me. Like I like right now, I have the freedom of, of choice, and I mean, I still I will after this. But if you invest into that, it really motivates you to go all in, in the sense of oh well, I mean, I'm oh, I, I have this controller, and I, I have this service that I paid for. You know, I might as well use it. Where like even though I pay for Game Pass, I I'll go buy a physical copy of a video game on Xbox because it's a it's still different to me. It's like if I want to download Forza to my Xbox and then pick my Xbox up and take it somewhere where I don't have internet access, I can and I can sit down and still play Forza. I can't do that with Stadia and like so. There's a, there's a lot of those things that maybe once I once I get it and I use it. I'll be like, I don't, oh, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. This is actually really nice. But at the same time, I just still have that problem of everything that I'm giving money for is sitting in Google's building. Yeah. And never is anything actually being put into my hand. And that that's where it's a little funky to me. And I've adjusted to music. I am that person that listens to all my music through Google Music. And my movies, I only purchase physical movies for like my very favorite things like Marvel movies or Star Wars or something like that. But everything else, I kind of live off of a service that just streams it to me. And for some reason, this is that last thing I'm holding on to. This is that last like um, content created hard copy that I still care about. Like there's a reason why I like collecting cartridges. 
there's a reason why like an SNES cartridge when I find one means so much to me. It's not because I necessarily can't wait to go throw it into an SNES and play it. It's the fact that I get I add it to the shelf and then I go Mega Man 1, Mega Man 2, Mega Man 3, Mega Man 4. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that with, you know, like I don't understand how people can look at Stadia or look honestly look at Steam. Let's let's even go back and say I have $2,000 in my gaming library. Or not 2000 sorry. I have over 2,000 games in my gaming library. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's impressive. How long have you been collecting? Oh, well, it's my Steam library. And I instantly go, oh, I don't care. No. <laughs> like, I don't, You're I don't, a loser. And you I don't even no, leave your house. It's not even a loser. It's, it's just a like, loser. It's just, it's just I don't care. Oh, and nerd. it instantly, to me, is like, yes, you can have a digital collection, but like, I never understood the idea. Like, I never even got into Hearthstone or anything like that because when I want to play a card game, I want the card. Yeah. Like when when we when we would play Pokemon, the card game, every pack of cards you get a digital pack. Yeah. I had a stack of these digital packs. I think I gave a lot of them to you and to somebody else because yeah. I was like, I don't care. I don't want that yeah. I want the shiny foil physical card that even mm-hmm. if I never play this game again, I'll throw it in the sleeve. I have it. Like that's just the way I am. I but I'm I'm wondering if you and I are becoming the vast minority of people that the thrill of collecting. Like you are someone that likes collecting things. I like collecting things. I've had to in the last few years say I pretty much only collect music CDs and video games. Like those are the two things like I focus on collecting um, because it's a thrill. We like the thrill of the hunt. We like finding a deal on a game. We like adding the game to the shelf. We like building a physical gaming library. And I think that's something that as the next generation of gamers that's behind us, these Fortnite kids, as they get older, they're not going to give a crap about no. having a GameCube game they played when they were a kid. They're re- they're not going to buy into the nostalgia. They're going to just enjoy the games as a service. So I think we're a dying breed of guys that are into that as a hobby. I would call video game collecting a hobby outside of just being a video game player. We are only a dying breed because the industry is building themselves up so that next generation that you're talking about never even knew what collecting was. I think that's true. And so, like, when you think of it that way, it's fake. It's fabricated in the sense of the the corporations, the industry is shaping this so that they can have that games as a service and have that one game that lasts 10 years and just evolves instead of having to worry about producing... 10 games over 10 years mm-hmm. like they did for us you know it was like you bought earthworm gym one and you didn't get another game until you got earthworm gym two and that you know and now that they don't have to do it that way anymore they don't want to because it because it, it does cost a ton more uh, in, uh money and investment and, and time and all that but here i am being being an old dude person is saying I, that's the way I like it. That's the way I want the gaming industry to at least give me the option, right? Like I play digital games. I buy digital games. I joined a service for gaming. It's called game pass on Xbox. I pay for it every month. There are months that go by that I don't even use it and I pay them my $10. So I'm not saying that I'm anti and will not use the service, but I also don't like to, I don't like the idea that it could potentially eliminate the other part of it that I like so much. Yeah, you're you're just disa- you're disappointed that a thing you love is is 
being phased out. It's the same way I still feel about CDs. I still get sad every time I go to Best Buy and see that they don't sell them anymore. It makes me sad. It's taken away something in my life I enjoyed doing. Yeah. It's a bummer. And and I'm I'm 100% with you. I download games. I'm going to talk about a game I downloaded a ton later in our Gazilla update. And you know, it's it's an unfortunate way the the industry's going, but uh, there, there's nothing we can do to stop it other than you and I continuing to buy physical games just like I still order CDs off Amazon. You know, we're still going to do it, but, you know, we're, yeah. in, we're in the minority and, uh, you know, we can't, you can't uncork that. You can't well, uncork that drain. Nintendo Super, there'll always be the retro games to collect. It's just, it's weird to start to think about this next generation or maybe even the generation after that where there might not be physical library to collect. Yeah. So then it comes down to what do I collect, uh, the different limited edition controllers they make and that's it you know like what is it that i end up collecting at that point so i don't know um we always this is a good topic we've been talking a lot about it in our discord so feel free gameslowmedia.com scroll down to the bottom of the page you'll find the discord button you can join for free talk with gamers from around the world every day and we've been talking about this in our gaming general channel a ton but I don't want to spend a ton, much more time on it. I do want to mention that uh, Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, came out and congratulated uh, Google for their their uh, d- their presentation and said that he was um, very thrilled and and reinforced that the the decision they made two years ago as Xbox is the right decision, and that Google went hard this weekend. We're, we have we have a month basically or a couple months and then we get to show off at E3. So it didn't seem to shake him at all. It didn't seem to worry him at all. If anything, it just basically said, "Cool, it'll be our turn next." And I'm excited to see what what X Cloud has to bring and and maybe maybe make my decision if I'm a Stadia or an X Cloud, um, you know, day one uh, purchaser. But the Phil's a classy dude, man. I, he is. I like Phil. Yeah. I like him a lot. I mean, after GDC, he literally tweeted out, like, you know, just just wrapped up GDC. I love this weekend where everybody gets to share all this knowledge and really push the industry and blah, blah. Like, it's just, it's always that from him. It, it's super positive. And, and you really don't, there's always competition, but you don't necessarily see it as like a, reason why he's doing things it, he, it's keeps, not, he keeps that behind doors it doesn't feel like the 90s yes. where Everyone's sega and nintendo were always like at each other's throat it phil i mean it might be because like he's revitalized the xbox brand into being something that's looking really great it's it's easy to be confident and kind when True. you're when you know you're doing the right yeah, things absolutely and then so uh, my last thing i did want to say my favorite little like easter egg from the uh from mm-hmm. the presentation that google had the bottom of the controller did you see this yeah yeah bottom of the controller had a label on it like we're you know we're used to it, it has a serial code on it or whatever this one had the konami code on it mm-hmm. from contra so it was a cool Easter egg. I really, no one really knows why it was there. I don't know if it'll be on the final product or not, but it, but it was cool. Uh, maybe they'll release a special edition, you know, where they make so many copies that has that on the back, back of the uh, of the controller. But that was kind of cool. I did like that um, for whatever you know. If it was just an Easter egg, cool. If there's something more to it, like they're working with Konami and have an announcement, we'll find out at E3 probably. But uh, yeah, that's. Uh, that's about it. I think the the last statement we'll have with this is that um, 
last second as we were prepping this show, Apple did drop news that they are also throwing their hat in the ring for some new gaming services. Very different. But Apple is also starting to see this opportunity, and they're um, they're throwing in with the uh, Apple Arcade. Apple Arcade, yeah. So, and that'll be something where you pay a flat price and you get like hundreds of games. It's more of a Game Pass, like yeah. what Xbox is doing, than it is necessarily a streaming service. But we'll see where it goes. All right, topic number two. We got the Nindies. Oh hell yeah! So why don't you uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us what we got here going on with the Nindies? All right, last Wednesday we saw another Nindies showcase where we knew Nintendo was going to show off some of their upcoming uh, independent titles coming to the Switch, and they started it off with this weird black and white video of this guy talking about how you need to drink milk. And how drinking milk's good for you. And you got to be careful when you pour your milk because you don't want it to splash. And he's like, you need to keep the bottle at no more than a 45 degree angle. And then he turns the bottle and he pours the milk. And then you see this little splash come out of the cup. And then that's when the music kicks in. Cuphead is coming to the Switch. Cuphead, baby. I was so excited. I instantly just like popped. I was so excited. I'm sitting there at my desk watching this on my phone as I'm getting ready to come go to lunch and I was going to meet up with you for our lunch break. I was like, dude, Cuphead, it's coming to the Switch, man. It's just, it's cool because one, this is showing that the the relationship between Microsoft and Nintendo has continued to grow. Microsoft's making the smart move of saying, hey, we have this game. We can make some more money by letting you sell this game. (laughs) Like, it's it's smart. And even uh, the the video that followed showed off more Cuphead footage to get uh, people that weren't familiar with Cuphead uh, familiar with the game. But they even said, you know, in a partnership with our friends at Microsoft. Like, it's cool. I am excited about this continued growing relationship between Microsoft and Nintendo and seeing a game that I I was really close to going on the Microsoft store what is it about a year and a half ago when Cuphead came out and downloading it onto my PC and playing it with a controller I just don't play games on my computer and that's what stopped me so you and I played it a bit when we used to do the gaming pre-show we played a Cuphead a couple weeks in a row I was like man I really like this game it's really hard and I'm really bad at video games so maybe it's not quite for me but as soon as I saw it was coming to Switch, I was like, yes, I can finally buy this game and dive into it because it's a game that I've been super interested in for, what, three, four years now? How long How long have we known that Cuphead existed for years, it seems like? Yeah, I mean, you're right. For years we've known, for sure. Um, the The big thing here is, is the like you said, the Microsoft-Nintendo collaboration once again. Uh, Microsoft has announced that this is coming to the Switch, and it also uh, Xbox Live services are connected with it. So... You you're you are getting the achievements and stuff yeah. through through the Xbox. And if you're not familiar with Cuphead, I know we kind of skipped ahead of this a little bit. It's a bullet hell side scrolling shooter in the vein some ways of like a Contra or yeah. a Metal Slug, but it's hand drawn artwork that looks like a 1930s cartoon thing, like classic yep. era Mickey Mouse kind of stuff. That's the style. It looks like it's the coolest looking video game maybe ever made. I yeah. absolutely love the way this game looks. The music, you heard me just play it in the background. It's like a upbeat jazz soundtrack uh, that was all originally scored for the game. Uh, it's, it's just... Th- 
the coolest presentation for a video game. So if you don't know anything about Cuphead, go ahead, Google it, look it up. Uh, it comes out on the Switch April 18th. So that's that's yeah. super exciting. Yeah, not that far away. It's super pumped. Next up is a game called Overland. Now, I don't know if this game has been on other platforms before, if it's releasing first on the Switch, but it's a... Uh, it looked like it was. It's a top-down tactical turn-based like grid tactics game. Uh, that I believe the story is people are trying to venture across the country in the wake of some sort of tragedy, and the story gets stranger and stranger as you go along. And you have to make tactical decisions. Do you heal your partner? Do you save your dog? Do you attack this person? Do you loot this car? It actually looked like a fun game. Um, it's one of those ones that I think if I gave it a try, I'd really like it, but I doubt I'll give it a try. It is available on the PC, uh, but it's an early access game, yeah. so really the, the full launch of this game is still coming up and the switch is going to be one of the first to get it in the, in its full form. Yeah. So if you, if you like a if you like a tactical top-down uh grid-based game, I think this could be a really cool one. It looks a little bit unique. It's not medieval themed, it's not futuristic themed or you know, it's it's sort of a post-apocalyptic. It almost looks like there could be like a zombie type thing. It's like that sort of like dark future sort of thing. So, yeah. uh lo- looks like a cool game. Next up is a game that looks insane. It's called My Friend Pedro. Yeah. Uh, it, it it looks like it's sort of a, a shooter game that has a lot of bullet time elements where you can slow down time and you're jumping and flipping through the air and shooting all different directions and kicking people in the face. You look like you're highly acrobatic yeah. while you're flipping through the air and shooting people. It looks super fun. Yeah, and the best part is that it stars a sentient banana. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's a high flying action shooter, whatever you want to call it. But it's uh, it's exclusive for the Switch. Uh, it will be available PC, but it but only for console, uh, only on the Switch. So that that game looks like it could be a cool one. Uh, I don't remember if we had a date on that one. Uh, June, June, June. So coming yeah. out in June. Yeah. Looks like that could be a fun action game to get into. Now this next one is one that personally doesn't do anything for me. It's Neo Cab. Yeah, you're like a lift type driver <laughs> in the future. You're trying to like meet up with your friend, and there's mysteries. It kind of has like that point and click sort of vibe to yeah, it. It's which, cyberpunk. Yeah, you know the look of it. It's the the art style is really cool. I, yeah. I'm a huge fan of cyberpunk and 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 you know futuristic games. But you're a cab driver. Yeah, it, um, <laughs> I'm just like yeah. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't know about it. I don't play a ton of survival games anymore. Um, but but if you're into that, then this is coming to the Switch uh, in the summer. I I just don't have the patience for a, a point and click type of game. Like I've thought about buying that one that's like a lost phone on Switch a couple times because it's like a puzzle game where you're trying to figure out something through a phone. And like there's some elements that kind of remind me of that where you're trying to solve this mystery that's going on, but. I don't see me playing NeoCab at all. Yeah, I don't know. The next one is a game that visually is very impressive. It looks really cool, but I still don't think I quite understand what type of game it is. I think it's going to be like a story type game in the vein of like a journey or, you know, one of those ones where the the story is more important than the mechanics of the game. And it's called The Red Lantern. It's about someone who's participating in the Iditarod dog sled race in Alaska, which is the world's most famous dog sled race. And, you know, as this person's, you know, going on this adventure for the dog sled race, uh, mishaps happen, a bear attack, you know, you're trying to save your dogs. So it looks like it's a really cool story. And artistically, it looks beautiful. The particle effects, the snow, it looks really immersive in that way. Yeah, so it looks cool. It's also the uh, debut game for a new studio called uh, Timberline. Mm -hmm. Um, But the art style, like when I first saw this, I go, oh, 
is this uh, Studio Campo, um, you know, doing things like um, Fire... Um, oh, yeah, it um, looks a lot like Firewatch. Firewatch, yeah. And so, like, I thought that, and then to see that it's a new, new studio, that was exciting. But yeah, it is that story-driven survival game that looks very interesting. Um, and from the trailers we got to see where you actually get to train your dogs, so it's not like you just have dogs and they're pulling you around. There's RPG elements to them to an extent where you're going to be able to evolve and better your sled dogs um, and hunt for food, you know, heal up heal up the pups when they get hurt to avoid dangers like your favorite, the uh, hungry bears that they showed in the trailer. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that comes out later this year. Uh, next up is a game, Darkwood. I'm not going to talk a lot about this. It, it's a top-down like survival horror game. It just doesn't really look like it stands out that much. It seems like there's so much that's sort of in that vein now. It's just it's not it's not anything I'm ever going to play. Yeah, I guess the only thing we say is I mean it came back in, it came out on Steam in 2017, so it's been around for a couple years. And uh, if you're into survival horror, it hits the switch in May. Nice. Next one. This game actually got my attention for one very specific reason. It's called Katana Zero, and the gameplay looks like Dead Cells. This game, first of all, is awesome. You played it? I got to play this at PAX South. Yeah. And this was a game that one of our fans actually asked me to look for at PAX South and if I could get any swag for him or whatever, try to pick it up. And so I didn't know anything about the game until I got there. It is there's a lot of yeah you're right dead cells definitely rings a bell but like there's some really unique and just weird stuff to this so the one example i want to give you is you go into this building and you're a samurai right yeah so but but you're walking around in a world that is not samurai so you're out of place so you walk into this office building where everybody's wearing suits and the secretary right at the front is like hey uh, can i help you and you go into dialogue choice Okay, this is a 2D side-scrolling game. You go into dialogue choice, and as you pick choices, these bars start to fill up of if she believes you, if if she likes you, if things like that, which play a role into how the rest of this level is going to play out. That's cool. So as you lie to her and say, oh, I'm dressing up in cosplay, I'm pretending to be so-and-so and stuff like that, you then go into this building in the demo that I got to play, you murder everyone in the building, including the guy that like owns the building, and as you walk out, the cops are already there. And they stop you, and they're like, sir, what's going on? And that because you answered it in the right way, the secretary stands up and goes, oh, well, he plays. he's just a cosplayer portraying this person, blah, yeah. blah, blah, and convinces the police officer to let you leave. Now, if you chose differently, you were going to murder those police officers. <laughs> and, and so I really liked that. Um, there's a rewind rewind uh, ability in the okay. game. And and also some really weird stuff where after every chunk of the of the levels, you kind of watch like a um, VHS recap of your of your play. And I don't fully understand why, but it is just really weird and unique. Hmm. Um very interesting. D- uh, done by a really small group, I believe. Like, like it might be like one to three people that made this game over the last six years. Very cool. So. That's definitely one to look forward to. That one I was really excited about. Now I'm gonna hit on like three, four more of these. There's still more, um, yeah, yeah. but a lot of them didn't weren't memorable enough where I even feel like I can pull up things in my brain to talk about them. So yeah. you can go back and rewatch the Nindies event. But I'm gonna hit on a few, a uh, few big ones. Uh, one of them was Creature in the Well, and as soon as they showed this trailer, I was hyping it up to Graham because like, dude. <laughs> This is your type of game. Yeah. It's a top-down action sort of hack and slash game, but it's based around the principles of pinball. So you're entering these uh, these rooms, and these orbs start flying at you, and you're using your like lightsaber type thing. 
to hit them off the walls and bounce them off targets and things like that to beat that room and move on. And I was like, this looks chaotic. It looks fun. And Gremlin really likes pinball. I like pinball. It just seems like it's a game that's uh, it lo- you look at it aesthetically, it looks familiar. It looks like a type of game you've played before, but it, at the same time, the actual core of the gameplay feels new and feels refreshing, but familiar at the same time because it's pinball. Yeah, and I mean, I've I found the blend of pinball into other games interesting. I, I just recently finished uh, Yoku's Island Express, and that was a that was a Metroidvania pinball hybrid that I was like, how is this ever going to work? And I loved it. So seeing this uh, after you told me about it. It does sound really interesting. Uh, hits the switch this summer, and I'm ex- I, this will be one I pick up because it does look really cool. I love the artwork and the like rope. The creature that you play as looks super cool, so I'm already into it. There's a game that was announced, Swim Sandy, which is an underwater shooter game that looks like there's multiplayer aspects of it. So I got to play this game, yeah. too, and I, this was one of the games I think I actually came back and told you guys about because of the four-player action. Yeah. It's it was a blast. Yeah. So much fun, um, simplistic, but super fun. Yeah, that one has a lot of legs. Uh, uh, Summer on the Switch as well. The next game uh, was a shocker because it was announced available right now. Yeah, uh, and you know you almost defecated yourself when I handed you my phone to watch <laughs> you it. You didn't hand me your phone first of all. You like I think I threw it at you. You threw it at. <laughs> You were like, oh, Inti Creates is making a new game. And I'm like, oh, what are they making? And then I saw your eyes open and you just literally chucked your phone <laughs> and it landed perfectly. I have an OtterBox. It's yeah, fine. It landed perfectly where it was facing me. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's a new Blaster Master. And yep. so, yeah, we got to find out about Blaster Master Zero Two. Which you're already playing. I, I'm yeah. <laughs> so I'm watching this and I'm like, and you're listening to it, right? You have you're, you have Bluetooth on, so I can't hear anything. And you're just like, oh, they're talking about this right now. I'm, I'm narrating <laughs> as they're explaining new game mechanics. I'm then like a translator, be like, oh, they've added this where it's going to be this this damage multiplier when you do the like. I'm just trying to tell you what they're telling. You're translating me. like yeah, like they were clearly talking in Japanese, and you're translating for <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, of course, because I speak Japanese now. Right, but um, so anyways, available today at that. I literally grabbed my switch hoping it was on the on the store at that moment it, it took like an hour but uh, i did download it and i'm playing it right now and it, it's so refreshing because first of all we knew nothing about this game like it there was no talk about a sequel to the original that came out only what a week into when the switch launched yeah it was a launch window game for yeah. the switch because i remember playing it uh, at convention right when i got my switch but um so when I found out about this, I was like, during this show, I was like, oh, my God, how did, how did they manage to not leak anything out about this? So I download it, and the most refreshing part of it is, is that if it is such a, a – it is a Blaster Master Zero sequel, and there's just more depth. It's the same game. But with added depth and added puzzle, added puzzle like um, you know difficulty, and so far I've just been amazed at how you took the concept and you just grew it. You know, you didn't try to change it. You didn't try to recreate things. You just took the concept. You evolved it a bit. You pushed the story to the next chapter of what you guys, what you're doing as Jason, uh, you know, in in Sophia and the tank, and with Fred the frog now is 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 hanging out with you, and you have your whole squad, and you have to go do this new mission. So it is super cool. It picks up right where the last game left off. So. I hope I didn't just blow your gaming moment of the week by having you talk about Blaster Master now. 
I, you might have. I'll just <laughs> what we'll do. We'll just cut this clip and paste it in we'll two replay spots. It. Yeah. You can hear it twice. Yeah. Uh, the next game is something that I believe we knew was in development because I had seen footage of it before. I believe uh, Stranger Things three, the video game coming to Nintendo Switch. Had we? I feel like we had seen footage of that before, or am I thinking of like a different Stranger Things game? So. Stra- there, there was the mobile Stranger Things game that already was out that yeah. did, that did look a lot like this game, and then I think you're right. We did see like a short trailer that the that Stranger Things three game was in development, but I don't think we necessarily saw gameplay. Yeah, well, it, it looks cool. It's a, it looks like it's a top down uh, adventure game in a 16 bit style. Uh, reminded me a lot of Crossing Souls in the sort of the way the gameplay was was being laid out in front of you. Um, Looks like it could be cool. I think it might be something that after I watch Stranger Things Season 3, that's when I'll be like, okay, I want more Stranger Things. Let me download this game and play. I could see that happening to me. Yeah, I played the uh, the Stranger Things on the, on the mobile phone just because it was that 8-bit style, and I thought it was really cool. So if they're playing off of that and just kind of evolving it into a more full-fledged game, I think that's uh, a great decision. And the last was the big surprise of the Nindies event that no one saw coming. It is, uh, they, they start teasing that it looks like it's a sequel to Crypt of the Necrodancer. Now, did you play that game? No. Okay, so I didn't play it either, but my, my understanding of the game, it's a, it's a rhythm-based combat game where it's a it's top-down view uh, and you're, you know, the enemies and your attacks all move to the beat of the music. That's my understanding. If someone has played it and I explained it horribly, get in our Discord and explain it better than me. <laughs> I am sorry I didn't play the game. I would like to. I didn't play it. And you're going and they're showing the trailer and you hear a voice narrating of, you know, finally getting out of the crypt and you get, you know, this person gets to like an overworld and you're like, damn, it looks like they're just straight ripping off Link to the Past. <laughs> That's what you were saying. Yeah. And I'm like, it looks like, oh, come on. Like, okay, it's a f- in the second Crypt of the Necro Dancer is now a, a love letter to Link to the Past. And then like you see like this main character in a, like a castle and like in different rooms. And you're like, this is straight up linked to the past. Like, how are they <laughs> getting saying, away with this? You were saying this all out loud. You yeah. were literally saying this all out loud. Cause you're starting to get upset about it. I'm like, like it looks cool, but like, come on. And then all of a sudden, uh, you hear the music start to change. Bum, and I'm like, and I gasp. I literally gasp sitting there at the table with you and, and then, boom, all of a sudden the main character is like, now I have help. And, like, Link and Zelda are there. And then you see it's a sequel to Crypt of the Necrodancer, but it's called Cadence of Hyrule. And it has Zelda music. And you're playing in a world that looks like Link to the Past. And I was like, this looks so cool. It instantly made me want to go try Crypt of the Necrodancer to see if I like that gameplay. So I'm going to keep an eye on that to go on sale. But... I was really jazzed up because I'm like thinking about playing a music-based game that's Zelda music. That sounds super fun to me. Uh, so as long as I could get into the the actual gameplay of it, I need to do more research on the game. But I, I was actually really excited for this game. It looks really cool. I like my biggest thing is I like seeing Nintendo sharing their IPs with an indie with an indie developer. That that is super exciting to me. That that's the biggest thing I take away from it. I don't know like how excited I am for this game yet. Um I, you know, I'll probably pick it up, especially considering that I would imagine that if there's if this is going to have a physical version, it might be like a limited run or yeah. something like, you know, some of those companies that want to definitely pick up pick up this uh opportunity, but um you know, overall 
it's very cool. It, it gives me hope that that Nintendo will continue to share IPs where you know Tom Hap wants to make Axiom Verge two, and all of a sudden there's a special Easter egg where Samus Arin makes an appearance in in Axiom Verge two. Yeah. You know things like that that could definitely happen because other games are inspired by it, and, and so on and so forth. So exciting stuff to come out again. There were still like four or five more games that we didn't talk about. Uh, so, you know, hey, if you have 25 minutes for free, we'll go ahead and watch the Nindy Showcase on Nintendo's YouTube channel. And uh, we'd love for you to get in the Nintendo channel in our discord and talk to us about uh, what Nindy game looked the best to you. That's all I got for that one. All right. Topic number three. We're moving on number three. In to the state of play. By PlayStation. That's right. We had our first ever state of play. You mean PlayStation Direct? Yeah, basically <laughs> it's PlayStation Direct. They took a took a page out of Nintendo's book and they are starting this new process where throughout the year they're gonna have multiple state of play uh, broadcasts where they're gonna talk about, you know, the new games that haven't been announced yet or you know, updates on games that we're already aware of, things like that. It ran for about 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a perfect length. And, you know, the content in it was, it was the first one. So I'm taking it with, with the grain of salt here. It wasn't bad, but I was actually surprised on what the focus was. It was a huge focus on the PlayStation VR. You a VR guy. You're hype. I, 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 was, I was surprised, and honestly, some of the announcements were like, all right, that is something that I am least interested in. And it started right out the gate with Iron Man VR. And so you're Tony. You're this Tony Stark. This this very. I'm sorry, but this horribly voiced Tony Stark. I did not. <laughs> I did not buy this Tony Stark. Like, yeah, yeah. I know you can't afford uh, Robert Downey Jr., but you got to find someone that can at least talk like him. Uh, anyway, it's Sony. They can afford yeah. Robert Downey Jr. Contractually, <laughs> I don't know what they could do, but they right. could have afforded him. Anyways, I wanted. To, you know, I was excited, and you know, you're in. A, you're in this jet, and and basically something happens. You get sucked out of the jet, and you your suit flies to you, and you start you start doing your thing as Iron Man. It just didn't look. You know, I, I'm hoping that the more I look into this, I'll, I'll want it. But it looked. It didn't look that great to me. It, it looked kind of just boring and, and like this scene where you get ripped out of your jet and then you you blow up three things You're like okay cool i got a plane to catch and then you just it just cuts so part of it is like maybe not much of this game is ready and they couldn't show a whole lot i don't know but we'll see uh the other big announcement for vr uh, and there was many like smaller announcements but the big one was no man's sky Mm -hmm. No Man's Sky Beyond is coming later this summer, and it's the biggest update for the game yet. They're adding all sorts of content, including a whole new revamped multiplayer system. But if you're playing on the PlayStation 4, it is also coming with full PSVR support. And that is actually something I got excited about. I was like, damn, I could totally... I've always thought about how that game would be great in VR. And uh, they showed, of course, the multiplayer building, which is what what uh, you know, uh, Jazzy and I and Bob and all of our friends when we were playing the game, it's what we love to do. We we find a planet that had good, you know, good materials and wasn't a giant volcano, and we'd sit there and just build these giant structures and have a blast, just setting everything up, and then you know, um, kind of playing a little bit of Minecraft in a way, uh, but but with with missions involved. So. Um, yeah, that was a pleasant surprise that, that I was excited about. They also talked about um, uh, Ready, Set, Heroes, which has been a long, I guess, a, a big uh, VR game that they've been waiting for. 
um, the or the British crime title Blood and Truth got a firm release date. So people were excited about that. I, those aren't things I, I'm necessarily pumped about, but great. But that wasn't it. VR titles like um, Jupiter and Mars, Trover Saves the Universe, Everybody's Golf VR looked actually kind of fun because yeah. I was like, okay. Uh, Table of Tales Vacation Simulator, which is your follow-up from Job Simulator, which was a was a VR game of the year at the time uh, for the for a few years back. Like the, all of this was happening. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's getting a VR foot uh, mode. Uh, Concrete Genie, which we had seen several years ago, <laughs> game looks stupid. <laughs> get it? But here's the thing: that trailer actually gave that game a little bit more of like. Now I know what it is. Yeah, I know what it is, but I was looking at it like, God, playing this looks like it'd be torturous. For the type of games I like playing, I, it would be torture for me to play that yeah. game. Well, it's also getting VR support. So um, the um, Digital Revolver is uh, pushing out another game called Observation that looked really interesting where the concept is that you are actually playing as the space station. Yeah, it looked that game actually looked really cool. Yeah, and so once you realize that you are functioning as the AI of the space station, I was like, oh, that's an interesting twist because you're always used to being the person, right? So um, pretty cool. And then that just follows up. They kind of closed it out after that with just some updates. They wanted to talk about Days Gone. Mm-hmm. So they gave us an update on Days Gone. I thought it was a little long. I'm not excited for this game. The trailer, the first half of the trailer actually started to pull me back in. The second half of the trailer pushed me away again. So it is what it is. If you're excited for this game, cool. If not, I, you know, I don't think you're going to be missing anything special. And then they closed it out with a Mortal Kombat 11 announcement. And really kind of getting ready, pushing this for a late April release, uh, basically confirming that we're getting uh, three new fighters. So, that I, you're the one wearing the MK hat. What are we? What are we getting? I'm wearing a Mortal Kombat hat. That doesn't sound like me. So, so a little bit of excitement because this trailer showed more elements of the story. We, we know that this game is going to contain a lot of time travel, which is something that the Mortal Kombat universe has done. Uh, this is <laughs> has at, had to do at least the second <laughs> or third time we've had time travel as a big element of the story. So uh, Mortal Kombat 9, which is the reboot of the series back in 2011, that was the primary part of the story. And it kind of is weird that now two games later they're going back to the well on a big time travel story. Uh, but, you know, you're going to start seeing different generations of these fighters taking each other on and that's what we saw in the trailer where i'm watching this trailer i go huh i guess i didn't realize kung lao was going to be in this game and then like they're showing off Liu kang i was like huh come to think of it this is the first i'm seeing of Liu kang and then there was jacks i go huh yeah wait a second and no they have they said that that was the official announcement that all three of those characters were making the game but it really wasn't a big surprise to anyone no. who follows mortal kombat uh Grim and I did a little bit of research before the show. Kung Lao has been in the most Mortal Kombat games outside of Raiden, Sub-Zero, and Scorpion. Yeah, which is wild to think. I, I for some reason, thought he was definitely had missed games, and he turns out he hasn't. He's just been in at yeah. every game since the second Mortal Kombat game he's been in. So Kung Lao's been a staple of the series. I like the character a lot. For anyone who's not familiar with it, Kung, Kung Lao's the guy who throws the razor hat. Yeah. Uh, so... It's cool to see him again. Liu Kang was the original hero of the game. Not surprising that you know we're seeing Liu Kang. He was an essential part uh, of the MKX story, so no surprise that he's a big going to be a big part of uh, MK11. And, uh, and then Jax. Uh, Jax is a character who I've never liked. I've I'm never not, had I'm fun not playing ja- as Jax. I'm not a Jax fan. So I was kind of hoping that 
you know, Jax wouldn't take up a roster spot. But, you know, here he is back again. I, I was honestly disappointed with the Jax announcement. Just I kind of figured him. we were going to get him when we also yeah. got his daughter. Yeah, we got ja- just Jackie. recently. So. Yep, she was an announcement last week. And also not related to the Nintendo Direct, but while we're talking Mortal Kombat, uh, the first DLC fighter was announced last Friday at C2E2, and that's Shang Tsung. Yep. And uh, pretty excited about that. That's a good use of a DLC fighter because I'm not a big Shang Tsung fan. He doesn't need to be a roster spot. Make him DLC. I'll pay for him. Uh, and then uh, the big one you and I are both hype about, Noob Cybot officially announced as a, a character on the roster after missing Mortal Kombat 11. Yeah, super, Mortal Kombat 10, I mean. super excited about the announcement. Older brother of Sub-Zero. So, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a, it, it's all tied into some of my favorite characters. So I am a Noob fan as well. And, uh, you know, we got uh, there's some other things revolving around Noob that that we'll be excited to talk about here soon. Yeah. So so that, that's a little more combat update. And that's how they closed out this uh, state of play from PlayStation is with a, a new Mortal Kombat trailer showing more gameplay and three officially announced characters. And then uh, so get me excited for the beta next weekend. Yeah. And and I think Sony, you did a, a very good job. Keep like take this model and just keep using it uh, the rest of the, you know, the rest of this year and moving it forward. I, I think uh it was a good starting point for you. You could definitely tell they took direct cues from what Nintendo's had success with. Absolutely. Uh, so for the first one, successful. Uh, so I'll be looking forward to them announcing another one. But here's my takeaway from this. This state of play didn't make me any more excited to be a PlayStation owner than I was before the state of play. Absolutely. Where most Nintendo Directs have at least one thing that I'm more excited about than before the Direct where, yeah, okay, I was already going to buy Mortal Kombat because it's Mortal Kombat. You know, like, Nintendo always has a hook at the end to get you a little little excited about something new and fresh, and this, this... PlayStation state of play didn't make me more excited as a PlayStation owner. It comes back to the concern that we have that PlayStation right now is very they're they're not they don't their guns aren't loaded. Right it's kind now. of plateaued. Yeah, they're, they're in a holding pattern. They're in this holding pattern right now, and they they can't really wow us at this moment where you know these other companies are in that in that business of we need to catch up and we need to set up for this for next gen, which is coming very soon. So, all right. Patreon news topic of the week. You vote every week on a couple topics that we post on Patreon.com. If you're a patron, thank you. If you're not a patron and you want to know more about this, go to Patreon.com slash GameZillaMedia and you can learn about all the perks you can get, including this one. But uh, you guys vote every week and pick a topic for us to talk about. This week, the uh, rumor mill kind of regurgitated this up with uh, with the Wall Street Journal talking about it. Nintendo plans two new Switch models for this year. I think the reason it's got brought back up is because there now it sounds like we're getting both. Where before we were thinking we were going to get one, and we weren't sure if it was going to be a higher end model or like a mini. You yeah. Know? And now it sounds like we are getting both of those, which is actually pretty crazy. I can't. I guess the last time Nintendo did a two-model release, I guess it wasn't that long ago, the new 3DS had two different models. It had the new 3DS and the new 3DS XL. Right. Uh, but those were... I'm curious to see how different these models are going to be. Yeah, so according to the report, Nintendo is working on two new versions of the Switch that would be released as soon as this summer. So E3 could be big-time big uh, information here, but... Uh, according to the report, one of the models is said to be ch- a cheaper variant, uh, while the other device reportedly has enhanced features targeting avid video gamers. 
The uh, cheaper model will omit the vibration feature, also suggesting that it won't have detachable Joy-Cons. Um, it's said to have see, to be seen as a successor to the 3DS. I bet it doesn't have a dock either. Yeah, it would be like a true handheld device. Yeah, like it might be dockable, but I bet it doesn't come with a dock. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, that's true, possible too. I yeah. bet they give you the charger, they don't give you the dock in the box. That's one of the ways they could co- cost for sure. Yeah, and they're basically looking at it to replace the 3DS, to still have that handheld focus, to have a lower price point, and to really, really, truly focus on portability. Um Sounds interesting to me. I, I I need to see it, but like I don't have a problem carrying my switch around. But if I could also have a smaller like mini switch, I might buy one. Again, it comes down to is the thing you know how much more mini is it? Yeah, how know? much more mini is it, and what's the price point? And also like what am I losing in screen size? What am I losing in performance? You know what what are the problems? But the 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 other issue on the it, with this report is that it doesn't have any firm details on the high end model. Uh, but one source has implied that there is more to the revision than a simple performance boost. So they're talking about that the uh, the big improvement, the big area for opportunity, is the NVIDIA's four-year-old Tegra X1 processor. Uh, that if NVIDIA were to get back into mobile chip development for Nintendo, it could make major gains in power and efficiency by simply just updating what is a pretty dated processor, but also has some security issues that we've talked about in the past yeah. as well. So they could kind of kill, you know, kill two birds one stone type deal here, where they uh, they take care of some of their security issues and they amp up their system with better performance and efficiency. So that leads me to look for some images, obviously for our live show here on Facebook, and I was thinking about what would I want in a pro version and i really like this image that we found for our sh- our live show where the it's almost bezel there's no bezel to to this switch the screen goes like to the edge of the joy cons and all the way and i don't think it would be that aggressive but i would love not necessarily a bigger switch but just get you know expand that screen and get rid of that bezel and the the switch would be that much more sexier that would yeah. be my big thing I'd like to see on top of, of course, a performance boost so that, we, so that companies right now that are saying we can't bring, you know, this game to the Switch, it's not possible. That can't, I, I don't want that to be an excuse anymore. Make it, make it where they just don't want to or they're stupid because they don't like money. Whatever it is, set it up where anybody can bring your game. Like, I, you know, Overwatch can be put on there. You know, and Apex Legends could run on the Switch, things like that. I would be thrilled. Yeah, I could. Uh, I ha- I didn't buy into a PlayStation Four Pro. You know, I didn't buy an Xbox One X. Uh, I typically don't upgrade my system. We're in the situation here where I love my Switch so much. I could see me investing more money to have a better version. Uh, and then with the new Pokemon game coming out, the timing is perfect for me to hand my wife, you know, the current Switch we own and say, hey, enjoy Pokemon. I'm getting, I'm getting the premium one so I can continue to play more advanced games because, you know, she's just going to play Pokemon. It should be great. So I'm actually excited out of the potential of I would probably buy this version. So, uh, I, you know, I'm hoping we, we get a little bit nicer screen on it and a little bit more horsepower to potentially play some, some uh, more hardcore games. Because especially you, Apex Legends is a great example, a, a more uh, visually impressive free-to-play game. Bring that to the platform would be a great success. You would never uh, sleep again. 
it it would be very dangerous for for me. Absolutely, I um, man, if Apex Legends came to the Switch, that would be that'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I would play so much of that. You're speechless. Yeah, think of like man. Think of like bring. Imagine like people like Invalid. Mm-hmm. If Division could be played on the Switch. Yeah, we'd never we'd never see him again. He he'd probably uh. Start neglecting his kids and stuff. It'd be a bad situation. If you could bring those types of games to the Switch, the, like not that the Switch isn't already doing very well, it would dominate everything. Yeah. I mean, there'd be no competition for Nintendo at that point. Everyone would have to backpedal and come out with some sort of handheld device similar because at that point, like the only reason I still play on, you know, play PlayStation and play Xbox is because of the performance boost, but also because because of the performance boost, I get Anthem, I get Division yeah. Two, I get Apex Legends. If those were optional on the Switch, it'd be it'd be oh man, it'd be dangerous. Like realistically, what if the Wii U came out like three years before it did? What if the Wii U came out with competitive specs to the PlayStation Three and Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty while those systems were still relevant? That could have changed. That could have turned the tides. People are like, oh wow, this upgraded version of the Wii actually hangs with current generation. If Nintendo could pull that off with the Switch, you're right. It would it would create a much more successful uh, long life for the system. Absolutely. But uh, we'll have to see. I mean, this is uh, these are obviously just rumors right now. Um, Wall Street Journal r- reporting right now, and that's that's interesting. But we'll um, you know we'll see what happens here very soon because, I mean, again, this is gonna if if summer is a target or or right after summer is a target, then E three is going to be that show again. I think people just I know people are already kind of getting ready for it, but. This E3 is going to be wild. Yeah. We haven't had we haven't had this much hype around the gaming industry when it comes to hardware and kind of new technology it, like this in well, I mean since when we found out about the Xbox One and the PS4. Yeah, for sure. So, this is uh this is good time. Good time for sure. No doubt. Now, that was our Patreon pick of the week. And uh, let me just let you know real quick what the loser was. Uh, It was the 2019 nominees for the Video Gaming Hall of Fame. And uh, Grim and I did did you a little favor. We recorded that topic in our pre-show today. So go to patreon.com slash gamesillamedia. It's going to be up right now when you're listening to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. If you're watching us live, it's not up yet. Uh, but you'll be able to go ahead and listen to Grim and I have a, a great conversation. And you will be shocked at the dream movie Grim wants to come out based on one of these uh, Hall of Fame nominated games. <laughs> you'll be shocked. Shocked. Sensationalism. Something like that. <laughs> All right, that's been our attack on the news for these topics and much more. Please visit gameslowmedia.com where you can read the blogs. You can watch the YouTube channel. You can do anything with any of the content that we make. Well, maybe not anything. Okay, Keep it clean. But gameslowmedia.com, it's your one-stop shop for all your gaming news and entertainment. Let's get into our Zilla update. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. It's time for that Zilla update. Ah, Deadite, I'm having some streaming problems right now, so why don't you take it and start off this 
Greatzilla update. Oh, don't mind if I do. Let me just, uh, you know, I queued myself up something special mm. for my Zilla update this week. So I had a dream fulfilled, a dream that 12-year-old me could never have imagined that in 2019 that dream would come true. It was the heartbreak of a child that led to the soaring joy of a grown man. It's getting aggressive already. The, the Game Boy Advance was a wonderful system that led to many great memories, but no disappointment was greater than me buying Jurassic Park Park Builder. Because I love dinosaurs, I love Roller Coaster Tycoon, and I thought, why not get it on the Game Boy Advance? That game was a giant pile of feces, <laughs> pixelated garbage that ruined my entire life. I believe it was a Christmas present, and it was a Christmas disappointment. Now fast forward to just last week, and welcome to Jurassic World Evolution, <laughs> a game that has been out since July, and I had every intention of buying in July. I rode my out of shape ass to Best Buy on my bicycle with my wife in tow gift card ready to go to buy Jurassic World Evolution. It came out like July 5th of 2018 or something like that. And I was there just a couple days later and I searched around digging through and I couldn't find it. I was like, how do they not have this game? Turns out the physical edition came out like a month later. I was like, I don't want to buy this game digitally for $60. I want to use my gamers club and get it on the discount. So what turned what that turned into is I straight up never bought the game. Despite being really excited for it in July, I just I didn't buy it. Now, if you're not familiar with Jurassic World Evolution, it's it's a it's a park builder like Roller Coaster Tycoon where you're managing a, your own Jurassic Park. So fast forward to, you know, last third Wednesday, Thursday, something yeah, it was last Wednesday. PlayStation was running a sale on the PlayStation Store. And Jurassic World Evolution was $18. The Deluxe Edition, $19.95 or something like that. I was like, oh, is now the time that I buy it? Is $20 the price point where I finally pull this trigger, the trigger on a game that I've wanted to play? And, you know, I start texting around, text the boys up, text, text the wife, and she's like, it's a no-brainer. Go for it. You've been wanting to play this game for a long time. <laughs> I, I play at my wife's home. I was like, fire up the PlayStation. I'm downloading it here while I'm at work so I can play it when I get home. Sure enough, I get home. I fire this game up. And I am swept into a whimsical world of <laughs> tropical islands and Jurassic creatures that are just... Oh, I'm so excited. The presentation on this game is so nice for any fan of Jurassic Park. The original Jurassic Park, I think I call my sixth favorite movie of all time. I absolutely love the movie. And there's little details throughout this game that, that are fan service to anyone that likes Jurassic Park. Now, Grim and I can both agree, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is a giant turd of a movie. That might be giving it too much credit. This game soars in fan service in the way that the in the opposite way of that the latest Jurassic movie failed. Uh, right away, if if you're someone that likes 
park builders and park sims. They're, they're, it's a genre that can be really monotonous. I played an insane amount of Roller Coaster Tycoon because I, I can do it. I can dive into tweaking the little aspects of the business to make money to build my next attraction. I love that. And you get that in, in this game. Now, one of the complaints that people had when the reviews were coming out is... It does get tedious. It does get monotonous. The gameplay is essentially the same from the moment you start to when you finish the campaign. You are just working towards your next dinosaur. You're sending crews off to dig sites, and you're building new enclosures. You're you're farming for DNA, and all along you're trying to please these different factions of different park employees to give you reputation to graduate to the next island to build your next park. Um, I think I've unlocked four out of the five islands already. I haven't done this since I've been married. I played video games for six and a half hours straight, unstopped. Yeah, that, that like, was so, like, it's weird. When you told me that, I felt so good. Because, like, it's been so long since you've had that, that happen where I was like, man, man, he's really enjoying this game because, like, I mean, yeah, Breath of the Wild, sure, you've put some time into it, but before that, it was, like, Borderlands. Bo so Breath of the Wild, I played in a few-hour chunks all the time. I could handheld it, sit down on the couch, I could do that. But to sit down and play a PlayStation game for yeah. a large chunk of the day like that, I have not done since Borderlands 2. And, again, that was in my uh, bachelor day. So I had all the time in the world, no other obligations, no house to take care of. Uh, you know, I, I worked a very different schedule. I could game till 4 a.m. and it didn't matter because I didn't work until 11. Uh, and so I sat down and I got sucked into this game. And I it, it does exactly what park builders do. I completely lose any sense of time. I'm just sucked into, I got to get the next objective. I need to build the next uh, fence. I need to raise the next dinosaur. And I was just so sucked into this game. I Again, I bought it Wednesday. Between Wednesday and Saturday, I played 12 and a half hours of this game. Wow. Can't, no, that's, can't tell can't, you the last time I've yeah, done anything like that. You can't. You can't. That's impressive. And I'll give you a quick story of the frustration and the, and the fun of this game. I'm on my third island, and the scenario for this island is someone mismanaged this this Jurassic Park, and they had to. you have to go and liquidate all the assets of the island, so you have a very small amount of money to start trying to build it up and start generating money and make this island successful. And I go and... I have an objective that says, hey, raise some carnivores. And I get these things. I can't remember their name. They're like a breed of raptor. They were the latest carnivore that I had enough DNA to make this dinosaur. I was like, I'm going to go ahead and make some of these guys. So, you know, I have one pen that feeds out into my herbivore exhibit. I don't have enough money to build another breeding ground. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to let these guys into the herbivore exhibit and then try to tranquilize them and transfer them before it can kill one of my friendly herbivore dinosaurs. No, this little asshole gets out of his pen and runs straight for a $300,000 herbivore and just murders it. I'm like, oh, come on. Okay, that was annoying. I get him tranked. I get him over into his own little enclosure. Sure enough, this little dickhead doesn't like his enclosure. It doesn't have enough grassland. So now I'm trying to expand it while this guy doesn't escape. And sure enough, he breaks through the steel bars. Okay, I tranquilize him after he kills a guest. I get him back. Back into his pen. It's now uh, electric, electrified. And then that's no problem. He, he wants more friends. Okay, this is a half a million dollar dinosaur. So now I have to try and raise up another one of them, trank it before it can kill a dinosaur, and get it over into its pen. So now there's two of these guys. So these guys 
break out again through the electric fence when I had a power outage. So I'm trying to get them back into exhibit before they kill more people. And at this time, because I've spent millions of dollars on breeding these dinosaurs and keeping them contained in their own enclosure, my other dinosaurs get sick and I realize I don't have the right building to create a vaccine to heal all of my other dinosaurs. And these assholes keep breaking out and killing people, costing me money. <laughs> I have to sell these awful ass dinosaurs. You got rid of them? I oh, sold man. them. But then I had to sell every non-essential building I had to buy the vaccine center to have enough money to produce the vaccine to save the rest of my dinosaurs. These two... <laughs> Jackass dinosaurs almost took down my entire island because they were expensive. They kept murdering people and escaping. Oh, man. It took me another hour and a half to get my island back to being sustainable after these guys took down my island. So those are the sort of things that can be frustrating about this game, but also is really fun about this game. So uh, I don't know. I just rambled for way too long. BMC specifically said he wanted to hear that story on the podcast this week. So hopefully you enjoyed it. I'm loving Jurassic World Evolution. I'm going to go home and play it all night and show it to work like a zombie tomorrow after we're done recording the cast. Uh, so if you like park builders and you like dinosaurs, I even got one of our coworkers who already owned the game hooked back in, hooked back into it. So Yeah, you did. I, I appreciate I, I saw that and was just like, oh my goodness, it's spreading. Dead Eye, Dead Eye is spreading this this sickness. And then I still was like, maybe I go download the game. Do it. $18 <laughs> for the base edition. Two more dollars get you five more dinosaurs. Jurassic yeah. World Evolution. Yeah, I don't know. It was uh, it was wild to see you kind of like retro Dead Eye just like so sucked into a game and, and just like, I know what I'm doing all weekend. I'm playing Jurassic World. I, in 2015, I think, bought... Roller Coaster Tycoon on the original Xbox because I didn't own a PC at the time. Yeah. And I just remember, oh, well, it's 1030 at night. Oh, I'm just going to play for like a half hour or more. I looked up at my phone. I looked down at my phone. It was 2 a.m. I have not had that sort of experience since around that time. So it's been like four years since I've been like completely sucked into a game and losing my life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my gaming moment is not as uh, involved. I, I did talk about it earlier, but I saved this part of it so that I could talk, you know, in detail on it. But my gaming moment is definitely Blaster Master Zero Two, uh, which got announced at the Nintendo uh, Nindies and was launching the day of the of the actual um, uh, announcement presentation. So the game is a you know it's that. It's Blaster Master. If you've ever played the game, it's weird. It's like a 2D Metroidvania, but it also kind of goes top down when you get out of your tank and you go into the levels as a as a person. And so, you know, that aspect of the game is still there. But why I'm so I'm enjoying this game so much is that is they expanded on it. So instead of just like traveling from land to land like you do in the first game, now your tank can fly. So you're going into outer space because you're trying to get back to the home planet uh, of you of this um, character that and I don't want to give too much away. So of this character that's with you because you need to. Let's just put it that way. And so. Anyways, you're going through, and I get to my first boss, my first like major boss, because there are there are like mini bosses throughout the game, but the first major boss is hanging out here, and um, I'm like, okay, I fight this floating head as a human. I'm sitting there, and I fight it, and I beat it on my first try. I'm like, okay, that was fun, and then it cuts and goes, 
hey, I you know I beat uh, I beat the bad guy, and this this NPC goes, I thought I told you never to let your guard down with this dude. You're not done yet. Get back to your tank, and the whole world starts shaking. I'm like, what the hell? So I get in my tank, and sure enough, I drive back out, and here's this giant mountain of a of a boss, and I'm like, oh. Good lord, a second like second version of this boss. The boss is like I said, the size of a mountain. It has legs and arms and everything, and there's platforms on the boss that you have to jump on with the tank. And then you get all the way to the top, and you have to shoot this you know item that's in, on the top of his head, which freezes him. That's when you jump down to these platforms that you noticed all have doorways on them, one on each leg, one on each arm, one in the chest. So you go there, you hop out of your tank, and you run into inside of this beast, this creature, and you have to fight something inside of him. And you have to do that until you basically disable each part of him to end up beating the boss. And I just thought the layers of this boss fight in a 2D you know, world of, of this game was super impressive and so much fun. And that's where I was like, okay, that's why I like Blaster Master is that, yes, it is a you know it feels like certain other games but there is just always this uniqueness to blaster master and they and they inti creates the company that's kind of brought this game back you know to the uh you know brought it back from the dead um has really captured that and and is is showing it in these games and i'm just i'm loving it so right now all i'm playing on my switch is blaster master and then, you know, yeah, I played some Apex with friends and stuff over the weekend, but Blaster Master Zero Two, $9.99 on the Nintendo Switch. Highly recommend it. A lot of fun. All right, and uh, we're going to get into one quick email. I'm not even going to run the the email intro because the uh, show's running long. We're trying to keep... Uh, Keep our shows tight. So uh, I have an email from Danielle. Tight. We're, we're going to save our... We have a fun email from our friend Danielle. We're going to save that for another show. Uh, try to get to that one next week. We're going to get into Button Masher Caleb's email here. Well, it's over, boys. Gamers Club Unlocked is dead to me. My game buying habits have already changed. Without gaming, Gamers Club Unlocked, do you think it will affect how many games you buy? Game on BMC. Now, Gamers Club Unlocked, for anyone that doesn't know, was Best Buy's discount program where you got bonus points, a uh, 20% discount on all new software. So even if a game was three years old, brand new sealed, a $20 game, you got it for $16. Bucks. Yep. Like, it was just a... If it wasn't a used game, you got a 20% discount. Uh, and every once in a while, when you pre-order games, you get a $10 bonus cert and stuff. It was a really cool program. What was it, $15 for two years, or was it $30 for two years? $30. $30 for two years. It was a really cool program that caused Best Buy to be my exclusive place. I bought video games, and mine ran out in August. Grim, yours just ran out, right? Uh, mine just ran out uh, five days ago. Yeah, they, they discontinued the program, so you can't buy anymore. And also, they discontinued it without telling anyone, so mm. you couldn't go and like buy up a couple more years at a time. Uh, <laughs> so we have a couple friends that are still that still have an active account just because they bought they renewed right before they can the program was closed. So uh, they grandfathered anyone else in. But I know for me, have I bought a full price video game? I definitely haven't bought one that I can remember at Best Buy since then. Um, the last full price game I bought for myself, I think, was Smash. 
And that was through Amazon when Amazon still had a discount program going. Uh, but it's definitely changed my buying habits. Uh, it's weird, like $12 in the grand scheme of things isn't a lot. But in my brain, paying close to $50 is like 60 gets so much closer to 100 I don't know why. And I, we all know I have a really warped uh, financial outlook on life <laughs> where I'm like a, a money hoarder. So And I don't buy things. So... I know I've I'm sure I would have bought more video games by now if I just saved that $12 instantly off the top at Best Buy. So it's definitely slowed my gaming purchases and I'm more likely to, you know, like I like I just mentioned, I didn't buy Jurassic World Evolution physical because my gamers club unlocked ran out uh, before the physical edition of that came out. So that's one of the reasons I, I didn't get around to playing it back last summer when I wanted to. Yeah, I would say that. um you know, the Gamers Club uh, being eliminated ha- will affect my game purchases. Like, I buy a lot of games, so, you know, if it's, uh, if it's a $60 game and it's something that I really want, like, I'm going to buy it. And that's that's one thing. But if, it, like, I guess a great example would be I just recently bought Devil May Cry 5, and I've never really played a Devil May Cry game. Um, to I've never completed one, first of all, and I've barely played them at all. So... For me, I went out and I had a I had the uh, a, a certificate plus I had the Gamers Club, so I got that game for like thirty eight bucks and it was getting really good reviews. I said, "Cool, I'll give it a try." Those are those types of games that probably won't get my attention anymore. You know, those are the games I'm like, "Well, I, you know, yes, it got good reviews, but I'm not going to pay sixty bucks for it. Not it. Not it's just not my type of game." So, you know, that's the problem because by the time that game does go on sale. So many other things are coming out that have my attention that I probably won't go and pick it up for 20 bucks, you know, down the road. And that's where it'll affect me. Uh, it'll affect me on those, those fringe games that kind of hang on the edge of, do I really want to play this? Do I have the time to play this? Nah, I'm out. And, you know, that, that's, that's tough because, you know, everybody got rid of their program like that I was saying. You don't have Gamers Club anymore. You don't have Amazon's uh, system. Well, I guess you kind of do. They have something going on, don't they? Like It's they, not very good, though. It's not. Yeah, it's nothing like it used to be. So to me, I don't, you know, and the problem is they didn't come out and really be honest with anybody as to why they were terminating these. They didn't really talk about the fact of like, oh, my God, we lost a ton of money or whatever, right? Like that would honestly, I think, help me understand it more versus just get rid of it because you just said you were an exclusive Best Buy game buyer. I was an exclusive Best Buy game buyer. There were plenty of times where I had thought about buying it digitally, buying a game digitally because I could get it at midnight and just start playing with my friends. But instead, I waited to go pick my copy up at Best Buy because of that discount. And, you know, and, and it had turned into my game store. Not only had it turned into my game store, but the employees that worked the game section knew me. You know, they all had GameZilla cards. They all talked about gaming every time I walked in. They, we had built a relationship. So your, your system did exactly what you wanted it to do where I started to depend on those people to be the people who, like, when I walked in, they're like, what do you need? And I was like, I need this version of this game, you know, with the steel case. And they just and they come back for me, you know, like that. You had turned yourself into a game store, which is something that I feel like you've tried to do for years. I mean, back to the point where I used to work at Best Buy, and they were trying to all sorts of video game initiatives, trying to really kind of gain that market share. And yeah, I, I just feel like unless you come out and say, "Oh yeah, we're losing millions of dollars every year," I have no idea why you terminated that after. 
it kind of felt like you cornered the market. You had something that no one else had at that point. Amazon bailed. GameStop never, never realistically even tried. Like you were there. So I don't know. I'd like to know what reasons, but we probably never will because that's just business and they like to keep that stuff behind closed doors. No doubt. Well, BMC, thanks for writing the question. Danielle, we'll try to get to your question next week. It's a fun one, and I look forward to answering it. Uh, but <laughs> that's been the Zilla update. Uh, you know, Don't forget, GameZillaMedia.com. We have a lot of great shows, including the Legend of Retro podcast for all things retro gaming. Noobs and Dragons, our tabletop gaming Dungeons and Dragons podcast. It's a great story podcast. Exciting every single week. Go ahead, download it, and listen to it. Last Action podcast. They did a kick-ass crossover show this week with the guys from the Legend of Retro doing the Ninja Turtles movie, the original uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Absolutely awesome. Movie Blast with Bob and Bax. Great show. Gives you a quick 20-minute rundown on the, uh, a movie that you maybe have never seen or one of your favorites. And of course, Noiseland Arcade, our Simpsons podcast. Uh, those are all the great shows you can listen to, gamesillamedia.com, but they're also available everywhere that GameZilla is available. Spotify, TuneIn, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. If you listen to a podcast, we're probably there. And if we're not, let us know. We'll try to get there for your delivery. Yeah, and when you are you know done with all the podcast listening, you have YouTube. We have Craig WK Longplay. We have the highlights from this podcast. They hit YouTube every week, multiple multiple times a week. Uh, we have our streaming crew from myself, Grim the Dino, to Owl Zero, uh, Matrix on Stage, Player One Miggy, Spidey 2KX. There are so many people out there streaming for GameZilla that if you, uh, you just, the website's getting updated right now. So the new streamers and their links and everything will be available right on the website, GameZillaMedia.com. But also, you can just keep an eye out on the GameZilla Media social media page where we share out uh, whenever people are going live. So you can, you can jump in, support them, have a good time. We have the blog, so there's all sorts of stuff going on there. And, of course, our active Discord, where we're just gabbing about games and all sorts of stuff every day. So feel free to just absorb all that content. And just remember, this podcast has been brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, Visit patreon.com slash gamesillamedia today to see everything gamesillamedia has to offer. We know you got to see things today like the Patreon news topic of the week. And we even talked about how the pre-show is this extra piece. So something that if you didn't catch the live show, you get extra Gamesilla podcast content just by being a patron every week along with early access. (sighs) I'll do it. I'll do it. It's been episode 252 of the GameZilla podcast. Remember, we are your elite free DLC for all your gaming news. And until next time, game on. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs>